So I thought it would make sense to jump on here and to talk all of the reasons why we don't need to freak out about gluten, but, but we might want to consider being a little more aware around if and how it might be affecting our health and why it might be affecting our weight loss journey. Welcome to the show where we help you make smart nutrition simple. If you want proven nutrition strategies to help you build a better body and create the energy to show up for your family without overly restrictive and unrealistic dieting, then you're in the right place. Make sure to subscribe and enjoy this episode. I was having a conversation with a client a couple days ago and he uh, was legitimately concerned because one of his friends had come up to him and he was expressing that he's kind of on a weight loss journey and he's been cleaning up his diet and he's been training really hard and he his friend had done very well with his weight loss goals and his friend was suggesting that the way that he had lost a considerable amount of weight was by eliminating gluten and eliminating sugar and my guy dave he's like well i don't even know what gluten is man um and the guy's like oh you you have to get rid of it it's like the worst thing ever you know it's going to cause digestive issues and brain fog and joint pain and like since i eliminated it it has been the best thing that i've ever done the weights just kind of melted off and so my guy reaches out he's like we need to jump on a call we got to talk about this whole gluten thing like dude what is it why is it important? Is it something that I need to eliminate? And if so, like, tell me how to do it. And so I figured that, you know, I've heard this a number of times recently, and it's something that I have a great deal of experience with through my own personal health journey. And I, so I thought it would make sense to jump on here and to talk through it briefly with you and all of the reasons why we don't need to freak out about gluten, but, but we might want to consider um, being a little more aware around if and how it might be affecting our health and why it might be affecting our weight loss journey. So part of why I got into health and fitness was because, and many of you heard this, but was because I struggled with my own health issues. I had terrible digestive issues growing up in high school, in college, in graduate school. And I was studying and researching a myriad of things to try and alleviate my own symptoms. And this led me to a number of different practitioners, to a number of different resources to continue to study and try and understand nutrition. And, and what I consider to be really the impetus of why I am where I am right now. When I was postgraduate school, I started studying through a functional medicine practitioner named Dan Kalish, who uh, practices in the Bay Area. And this is this was 15 years ago, well before functional medicine was kind of mainstream, if you will. Now it's it's very, very popular. Even if you haven't heard of it, it's, it's very, very popular. Um, and so what we did was a number of diagnostic tests to help determine like what's going on with my digestive system because the conventional medicine route had not worked for me, right? I had been growing up, I'd been on a number of different antacid medications. And, and just so you know, like I had dealt with uh, severe, what felt like acid indigestion. I'd throw up all the time. I had irritable bowel type syndrome. And so, you know, I went into the doctors, they put me on a number of different medications that weren't helping. I had to get an endoscopy where they stick the camera down your throat and kind of view your stomach lining. And, you know, nothing was really conclusive there. And so it was just kind of like, you know, we don't know what's going on. You're a perfectly healthy young dude. Just deal with it. At no point was there any conversation around your 
lifestyle, around your nutrition habits, uh, and so on and so forth, around supplementation. And so clearly that was something that I needed to start to understand better, which I did post my first graduate degree, um, started to study nutrition more, started to uh, work with Dan Kalish, this functional medicine practitioner. And what we realized was that I was dealing with a stomach infection, a bacterial infection in my stomach called H. pylori. Part of my healing process to get rid of this bacterial infection was not only a comprehensive herbal supplement protocol, but it was also to eliminate gluten and dairy. And for those of you that aren't aware, gluten is simply a protein molecule in all wheat products and a number of other grains. And for a lot of people, this gluten or gliadin molecule, this protein molecule can be very inflammatory. And it affects people in a, a myriad of different ways from everything from digestive distress to brain fog, to joint issues, to skin issues, just a, just a number of different things. And what we have realized is that outside of being straight up allergic to gluten or gliad, and that is straight up celiac disease, is when you have a full-blown allergy, you know, significant immune response to this protein. Um, outside of that, it's very, very difficult to determine how sensitive someone is to this, right? We have very varying levels of what we call subclinical levels of sensitivity. And it's very, very individualized. But for me, by virtue of eliminating gluten from my diet, eliminating dairy from my diet, eating more quote unquote clean, so to speak, taking all of these supplements, focusing on my lifestyle, I was able to eradicate this bacterial infection that had been plaguing me for years and years and years. Now, because that worked so well for me, and because it was my first really exposure into kind of clinical nutrition, I became dogmatic about it. I became zealous about it. I, it became the only way to do things. And so early in my career, it was, and some of my friends still make fun of me to this day because I would preach about the importance of needing to eliminate gluten from our diet as a means to lose weight, as a means to get healthy, as if it was the devil and the root of all of the problems that we experience from a health and nutrition fat loss standpoint. What I've realized to this day now, say 15 years later, is while it might be relevant, it certainly is not the underpinning of all of the problems that we experience. In fact, it's very, very superficial for many, many people. I do think it's relevant, but it's very, very superficial for many people for a number of different reasons. And I'm gonna to explain to you why that is. Now, let me just backtrack one more second and say that the product of me preaching all of these things to my clients is, despite the fact that it may have been beneficial for them, is the need to not overwhelm people. And so when I started working with clients in my nutrition business early on, and I sat them down and said, here's all of the things that you're doing wrong. And here's what you need to do is you need to eliminate all your gluten, you need to eliminate dairy, you need to eliminate sugar, you need to eat only organic, right? Eliminate all the plastics from your house. You can imagine uh, that, especially when we're talking with busy moms and dads, you can imagine how off-putting that would be, which, doesn't surprise me that 
there were often times when I'd only have one consultation with someone and I would never see them or hear from them again is because I'm pretty confident that I grossly overwhelmed them. So fast forward to this day and we take a completely opposite approach. And so the title of this episode is 11 reasons why you don't need to uh, go gluten-free in order to lose weight. And so as I was saying, gluten is in a lot of the foods that we consume, bread, pasta, pastries, anything that's going to have wheat in it. And while there are varying levels of subclinical sensitivity, this could be something that you could be negatively reacting to. When we talk about weight loss, we need to make sure that we're focused on the big needle movers first, because there's a very big difference between health and weight loss or fat loss. Now, it's not to say that we don't obviously want to get healthy. We do. But for many, many people, taking an extreme approach of having to eliminate all of those foods right off the bat could potentially be far too aggressive for them to be able to be consistent with. And that's the name of the game when it comes to weight loss. And so here's the first thing, and, and this is in no particular order, right? But when my client Dave reached out and said, listen, man, is this gluten something that I need to be concerned about? I'm like, no, 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 here's the deal, man. First and foremost, are we paying attention to the total calorie intake that you're consuming, right? Because if you are not paying attention to your total calorie intake, right, then you need to be because it's not about eliminating entire food groups. It's not about eliminating carbs. It's not about eliminating gluten or dairy or soy or sugar. It's like, that's all good and well, but we can still be eating too many calories. So what's going to make the most sense is simply take stock of what your current diet looks like, your current intake looks like, and then let's make some realistic changes in terms of curbing your calorie intake, because that's going to move the needle in the least restrictive way, which is what we're all about and probably why you're listening to this. Number two is saying, listen, before we get too crazy around eliminating these food groups, are you still drinking alcohol, right? And if you're drinking alcohol, well, one, it's a ton of calories. Two, let's talk about inflammation. Let's talk about impacting the body in a negative way. Let's talk about preventing fat loss. And I've done podcast episodes on the negative effects of alcohol and weight loss. And so if you're not already eliminating alcohol intake, then you've got no business trying to jump to eliminating gluten. I just don't think it makes very much sense. Number three, are you hitting your protein goals? Right? We need to make sure that within the context of weight loss, so we're consuming enough protein. And so given your total calorie intake, are you hitting a reasonable percentage of your total calories from protein, which should be at least 30% of your total calorie intake? If you're not, then stop spinning your wheels worrying about eliminating entire food groups and learn the skills and behaviors that are going to be necessary to do that consistently so that you can start to improve your body composition and lose the fat that you're looking to do. Again, saving yourself time, energy, effort, and making this process as strategic and, and systematic as possible. Number four, are you moving enough throughout the day? Are you accumulating 10,000 steps? Are you doing any kind of structured strength training? If you're not, then I don't believe that you have any business talking about trying to get super specific around eliminating these foods. And so moving on, are you managing your sleep effectively? Are we getting enough quality and are we getting enough quantity of sleep? Are you actually recovering? Because 
If you're not, then you're gonna have more cravings, you're gonna have more hunger, you're gonna have more insulin resistance, you're not gonna be managing the carbohydrates that you're consuming as effectively, and you're gonna have problems losing body fat by virtue of the fact that you're probably gonna be eating more because that's what happens when you are sleep deprived. We know that very clearly in the research. And so it might make sense for you to spend more time and energy instead of worrying about eliminating foods, worrying about how are you structuring your bedtime routine? right? And getting enough quality and quantity of sleep. Beyond that, we look to meal frequency. Are you eating frequently enough? One of the things that we see very consistently, and, and I'm seeing this more and more as the fads around intermittent fasting uh, continue to perpetuate, is that by virtue of infrequent meals, irregular meals, or uh, reducing the number of meals per day, people are exacerbating blood sugar dysregulation. They're exacerbating hormonal rhythm fluctuations. They are uh, exacerbating low thyroid function. They're exacerbating metabolic issues to the degree that it makes it harder to lose fat. It makes it harder to manage your calories. It makes it harder to have the energy that you wanna have throughout the day. It makes it harder to think clearly. And so maybe we just need to go back to some of the seemingly simple stuff around, and this is certainly one of our pillars of you know, foundational nutrition is, listen, most people need to be eating three to four meals per day with anywhere from three, four, five hours in between with no snacking in between, because that's going to help us create structure, rhythm, consistency, assuming you're getting enough protein at each of those meals, blood sugar regulation. It's going to help you make better decisions from meal to meal by virtue of the fact that your blood sugar is going to be more stable. You're going to be able to think more clearly. You're going to be able to plan ahead more effectively, right? And when we can do all of that, then we've got momentum to drive from meal to meal, from day to day, regardless of how much gluten or carbs or fat right? Or processed foods you're consuming at those meals. That's really, really important factor. And this is something that we even talk about, especially like if we have clients that aren't tracking calories for whatever reason, which there's a number of clients that don't and or shouldn't be tracking calories. I will 100% acknowledge that even though I'm a huge fan of the process. That's when we start to dial in habits and behaviors. Okay, let's talk meal frequency. Let's talk portions of meals. Let's talk about establishing hunger in between your meals. Let's talk about building these meals out with mostly whole foods. So these are all the habits and behaviors that we instill that are much more important than worrying about the minutia around the amount of gluten or dairy or sugar that you're consuming. Moving on to what are we on? Maybe number nine, talking about our relationship with food. For me, when I was just learning this stuff, when I was working to improve my own health um, and nutrition behaviors, I was in a troublesome situation because by virtue of eliminating all of these things, I became obsessed with it being the end-all be-all, which put me sort of in this dichotomy of either I was all in or I was all out. And, and frankly, if I'm being honest with you, what happened was I would find myself overly stressing around needing to go out of my way to avoid gluten or dairy or not eating any of these things and sort of uphold this facade of someone who really represents these ideals that I'm trying to reinforce when 
I was just driving myself crazy. I was driving my wife crazy around it. And oftentimes I'd find myself absolutely imploding on the weekends, drinking way too much, eating pizza, you know, burgers, dogs, all of the things feeling absolutely terrible, not just from a physical standpoint, really, but from a mental, emotional standpoint around kind of who am I being, who am I representing uh, by virtue of the fact that I can't even uphold the ideals that I'm trying to reinforce with my clients, right? So you can imagine the strain and, and really just this terrible relationship with my body, terrible relationship with food, um, clearly not in line with who I was trying to be. Clearly, I had no idea, you know, what was actually working well for people and what wasn't. I just didn't have the experience at that point. And that's why I think it's so important that we're being very reasonable about these types of limitations that we impose for people. Because when it comes to food, unfortunately, it can become part of our identity to the degree that you become someone who identifies as keto, someone who identifies as paleo, someone who identifies as vegan or vegetarian. But that's not who you are. That's simply a matter of what you choose to consume. It should say nothing about you as a person, the, the, the morals and values that you uphold. And yet we try and make this part of our identity. And, and I think that's extremely problematic. And that's what I did to myself, which really created this orthorexic relationship around food, my body, my behaviors, my practice, and so on and so forth. And so obviously I had to learn the hard way over years, which is really why I'm so anti all of those things, because those aren't necessary until we've instilled a number of foundational behaviors. Unless, of course, of course, there's situations where, sure, someone's allergic, they're having a ton of health issues. That's a completely different story. Right now, I'm talking specifically about weight loss, fat loss, and fundamental basic nutrition that should not revolve around limiting entire food groups uh, or food categories, specifically when we talk about gluten and dairy. So that was relationship with food. Then we move into weekend behaviors, right? And this is something that I found myself struggling with tremendously is during the week, I would be great. I'd be white knuckling it. I'd be eating clean. I'd be avoiding all of the things that I need to avoid. And then come the weekend, I would absolutely let loose, let loose alcohol, the pizza, the sweets, pastries, all the shit that I should not have been consuming and or that I should have given myself permission to consume in really moderate amounts. And I think this is often the situation that we find ourselves in is we're all good from Monday to Thursday, and then it kind of is a slippery slope. So oftentimes what we discuss with clients is like, how can we build a relationship where you're including the foods that you want to include in reasonable amounts, even if it's every single day, so that psychologically speaking, we never put ourselves in a position where we need to feel like, because I can't have that, it's all that I want. Rather, because I know I can have it realistically anytime I want, I don't necessarily need it. That's how psychology works. That's how the human brain works, right? We want what we can't have. And what's every diet built around? Restriction. We take the opposite approach with BSL Nutrition and our Smart Nutrition Coaching Program. Now, the last thing that I'll say around weight loss, around avoiding entire food groups, especially gluten as an example, is really just paying attention to your daily behaviors. And one of the things that we see add up so frequently is someone saying, oh, you know, I'm just not able to lose weight. 
and I'm tracking my calories and I'm sticking to my meal frequency and I'm supposedly in a calorie deficit and I'm moving enough and I'm sleeping enough and I'm hitting my protein goals. So what's going on? Do I need to eliminate something? Usually a conversation comes to, let's talk about snacks, bites, sips, and tastes, right? Now, as a parent, I am just as guilty as the next person of grabbing a couple French fries here and there, grabbing a couple nuggets, uh, having some leftover crust from the kids' grilled cheese sandwich, taking some sips of their smoothie, of their milkshake from their ice cream, and the list goes on and on and on. And if you're a parent, I guarantee that you can resonate with what I just said. Now, here's the thing. If you're paying attention to all of these things, your calories and your movement and your sleep and your protein, right? And your strength training, but you're not paying attention to those tiny bits of calories built up throughout the day, the little handfuls of M&Ms or almonds or the taste of the kid's food, then you're doing yourself a massive disservice because you are missing hundreds of calories along the way, hundreds of calories along the way. And if you are someone who's on a 1500 calorie diet and you inadvertently eat an extra 300 calories, which by the way, is not hard to do, an extra splash of olive oil, an extra handful of chocolate covered almonds, and you're at at least 300 calories. It's not hard to do, I promise you that. Well, if you're on 1500 calories, you've just eaten 20% above your set calorie limit. So that's a very slippery slope. That's something that we need to be paying attention to. So those are all of the reasons why you don't need to go gluten-free in order to lose weight. And all of the things that you should be looking at first, assuming you generally feel good, you're a generally healthy individual. Now, the caveat to that is if you don't feel good, if you don't sleep good, if you have gastrointestinal issues, if you have uh, you know, joint issues, if you have skin problems, if you have cognitive function, if you deal with extreme anxiety, and you've tried these things, then it might be worth considering starting to eliminate certain foods. And there are certain situations where we will help clients with what we could consider to be anti-inflammatory diets, eliminating the foods that are oftentimes problematic for people. This includes gluten, dairy, soy, corn, nuts, even shellfish to some degree. And there's even certain vegetables that can be problematic. There's even some nightshade vegetables like potatoes and, and peppers um, and some cruciferous vegetables that can be uh, problematic for people. So if you are in a position where you have good foundational nutrition habits and you wanna be more aggressive, then you can eliminate some of those foods. If you're in a position where your health is suffering and we need to be aggressive around avoiding those inflammatory foods, then it makes a lot of sense. But this is from a health standpoint, not from a weight loss standpoint. Now, it's not to say that weight loss might not be a byproduct of that, but it's not the first step that we would take. So I hope that's been helpful for you guys. That's really what I wanted to talk about around all of the number of reasons why we should be looking at building foundational behaviors and habits around our food before we need to look at restricting entire food groups. Not that it's not pertinent, but only when health is the bottom issue as opposed to weight loss. If you want to find out more information, just shoot me a message. Uh, you can reach me at ben at bslnutrition.com. I appreciate you guys tuning in and uh, I'll catch you guys in the next episode. Peace.
thank you so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here are four ways I can help you in your nutrition journey for free. One, grab a free copy of my Fat Loss Fix Guide at fatlossfixguide.com. Two, join my free group at smartnutritionmadesimple.com. Three, subscribe to my YouTube channel at smartnutritionmadesimpletv.com. Four, leave a five-star rating and positive review so that we can gain access to more nutrition experts ready to share their knowledge with you and ultimately help more people make smart nutrition simple. 